All right, let's do this. Another episode of Keo Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne and I am your host. It's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today I'm chatting with Ryan Martin who leads the youth initiatives at the Canadian Mental Health Association and is also the founder of MindCycle where he cycled across the country to raise awareness and funds for mental health. It was during this ride that he realized that he had to do more in this space and that there was a huge gap when it came to youth mental health services, practices, tools, and and just support in general. So we dive into all of this as someone who struggles from anxiety, depression, and bipolar disorder. He really offers an incredible toolbox of tools and practices to help anyone struggling and frankly, anyone Um, who just really wants to level up their life and their mental fitness practices. It's a really rich conversation that I hope all of you enjoy. Before we dive in, just one note, every chat that I have on this platform is really brought to you by Keo, our mental fitness app. All of these incredible guests end up in app to help guide you through your reflection on a daily basis. Take it for a spin. It's in the Apple App Store. All I have to do is search KYO. And if you are enjoying these conversations, you know what to do. Give us some love wherever you're listening. Stars, reviews, they go a long way. Thank you so much and have an incredible day. All right, so Ryan, who are you? Um... I'm 20, 24, first off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'm someone that's athletic, like super into sports, just following sports, but also just playing sports, different sports. Um, very social. Um, great um, relationships with my friends and family. I like to, that's something I really value is like good, deep relationships where you can have honest conversations about how you're feeling and, and yeah. painful times, not just the fun stuff like going out for drinks and that kind of thing. Um, so I value relationships. Um, I think uh, I'm having a hard time going deeper. No, it's, that, it's that, that's well, deep. <laughs> okay. Well, I think one thing is, is like, it's funny because when it comes to relationships, it's something that I value so much, but it's also something that I have a lot of insecurity about, mm. you know, thinking, comparing myself to other friends or um, having insecurities about my relationship with my partner, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's something that I value so much, but it's also so fragile, which makes it makes which which makes me a little bit vulnerable. Sure. About, about the relationship as well. Where so where like where did the value of these relationships come into your life? Like it seems like even just the way you describe that, I could feel like that really makes up a huge kind of part of mm-hmm. who you are. Yeah. Is it? Is that something that is just so strong with your family and, and the closeness that's there, or is it something that? Um, I think it's it's like with my family. Like I think ever since I've really started addressing my mental health, yeah, that's taken my relationships with everyone in my life yeah. to another level. Just because you're really being a lot more authentic and showing you know your true colors, yeah. So that's really elevated my relationship with my family, but also my friends. Like mm. it's it's really just um, made me feel more comfortable with them. Now they open up to me and and that, you know, that's what I think is a great relationship when you can honestly, you know, share how you're feeling with your friends and family. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the the way there. Yeah. Well, it is, I get that. Cause like you hear it all the time, right? Like we get, we get caught up in the game called life Mm -hmm. and you, you know, you get advice all the time. Like don't, don't ever do any of this stuff if it's going to jeopardize your family. Like when it all boils, like when you're at, at the bottom, regardless of what that situation is, it's typically your family that's yeah. there in your corner, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we'll get into that obviously, but totally. I'm, I'm not surprised that. Yeah. Um, I, like everyone in my in my immediate family has a different role in my life. Like my mom okay. is my the core of my support system. She's there. Yeah. Phone call away. You know, has brought me through the hardest, scariest. Yeah darkest times my sister is will unconditionally show her support and love to me but I, I, but i may not call her 
in those crisis situations, mentally, sure. for example. And my dad is unique in his okay. his role, but he's there and he'll support me, like helping me out with um, new medications, like supplements okay. for a naturopathic, for example. Okay, you know they all have their different roles, but together they form like a really, a really strong. Um, I guess support system for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then friends are something totally different. They yeah. have, they had different value. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Appreciate yeah. it. So let's talk a little bit about your story. I, I wanted to read something that I pulled off of your website that uh, I think says a lot about you and also a lot about just where we're heading and and I think what needs to be pushed a little bit more on the mental health side of things so we can have these type of conversations. And it's just the, it's just the landing page of your, or your site, which is awesome. It's just, hi, period. My name is Ryan Martin. I have anxiety, depression, and bipolar disorder. I cycled across Canada for mental health awareness. This is my story. Yeah. So <laughs> what is your story? Well, I mean... And how... Let's back up. Where do I begin? Like, <laughs> putting that on your website... Yeah, you know some some people may read that and be like, oh, you know, good for him for for doing that. But I'd that, I'd imagine that's a pretty tough thing. Or uh, oh, one hundred percent. That's not just a couple lines of no, text. No, that is like that is that is putting yourself out there on the line yeah. for for everyone in your world to see, and and not giving a crap about what they think. Even though I still do, but like to do that, you have to like face those face the stigma. Yeah. Of, of the shame on. and guilt of thinking about what are other people going to think when they see those words. Yeah. And that's what I really, I really had to like swallow and digest when I posted that. And I still do. Like every time I open that up, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> that's a big statement. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I remember when I built that website, I was at my girlfriend's apartment and I was sitting on the couch entering in the content. And originally I wrote, I have anxiety and depression and I left out bipolar. Cause at that point no one knew I had bipolar. Before um, I launched this whole yeah. initiative, no one knew I had bipolar except my family. And so I took a second there, you know, and, and you talk about mindfulness a lot. And, uh, and I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, if I'm if I'm not putting myself out there and telling people what I really have, isn't that kind of going against the message I'm trying to do by like breaking down the stigma? Yeah. So I said, okay, screw that. So I, I put in bipolar and I, I mean, I haven't touched it since, obviously. Yeah. Good for you, though. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think my story is, I'll give you like the kind of high-level summary. We can go into detail sure. as you want to branch off. But essentially, um, I grew up in southern Ontario, um, was a very normal kid, like had good friends, very involved in sports. I did you know pretty well in school. Um, but when I was, one thing I always, now I look back on my childhood, I always I realized now that I was very sensitive. Okay. I was I was generally like just kind of a worrier, and I was very sensitive to you know, conflict or arguments or anything. I really tried to avoid. It. I was always like a person that wanted to make sure everything was going well, so I didn't have to deal with those negative you know emotions because of something going bad, kind of thing. When did you realize that? Do you remember roughly? Literally not that long ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> like sure. just meeting with a psychiatrist. Yeah. You know, last week we talked about that, and I was like, yeah, I've been really. I've been a worrier my entire life. Sure. So that kind of grew and grew. By the time I was in high school, now I look back again and I really see that it was anxiety. It was anxiety, um, performance anxiety through sports, through school. Social anxiety was a big one for me. And some days I'd be feeling like a million bucks and I could walk up to any of my friends or any new people and, and talk to them and feel great. Other days I felt like debilitated and I felt like you know, just I had like I had no confidence. I was really insecure because I couldn't talk to people. Yeah. And that flares up, you know, every now and then. But that was high school. I got into a university program of my dreams, um, university of my dreams, got into the co-op program. It was very competitive. Things are going great. Living with my best friends, meeting lots of people. But that that worry and that that anxiety that was just kind of looming would always come in and out. You know, some mm -hmm. days good, some days bad. Did you yeah. th just think it was normal, like at that time? I just, just thought part I was. Of I thought I was weak. I thought I was insecure. Okay. I thought I had really low confidence. I remember looking up articles, being like, "How do you become more confident as a male?" Or mm. dealing with like insecurity, like yeah. And, th and now I realize that's just a surface level issue of something happening much deeper. Um, yeah. And so that that was all affecting me in university, and then I then I started having these r really intense periods of low moods. 
um, which I eventually realized was depression. Yeah. So it'd be like, and it would only be like a day or two of like these, you know, these, this, these moods where you just feel so heavy. You feel everything's moving so slow. You're, you can't keep up with conversations very well. Um, your cognitive ability is affected because everything's moving so slowly. Um, and then you get the thoughts of loneliness, you know, you lose hope that things are going to get better and it, you just get so, I would get so caught up in it. Cycle, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just like these irrational thoughts about shame, whatever <clears throat> fear and, and loss of uh, hope just all kind of build up. And then, um, it would change. Then be anxious, they'd be depressed, anxious, depressed. It was just a mess. And then at the same time, which is the worst combination, um, so I went through years of, of that and then, um, alone or did Oh, totally alone. Okay. And then finally in like second, between second and third year, I was like, I had like all these breakdowns during the summer. I was like feeling horrible mentally, was not talking about it. And I booked an appointment with a social worker on campus. And I was like so nervous to go, to go see the social worker because you know, you're, you're thinking she's going to judge me or like, yeah. How am I going to open up? Like, I'm going to forget everything. Like, all these things. So I went, and it was an hour. It flew by. I talked the entire time. I exploded with emotions, and I walked out of there feeling like a million bucks. Like, I felt I felt so good and clear and uh, confident. I could call any friends, walk up to a girl, put my yeah. hand up in a, in a big lecture. And then a week or two later, everything came back. So okay. I said, okay, just got to go back and talk it out. Everything will be fine. It's going to go away. Went back, felt like a million bucks, everything came back. So I was like, okay, therapy doesn't work for me. And then I started taking it on, on my own. And I said, well, what do I feel? I think I have social anxiety. So I signed up for a social anxiety course. Okay. I learned all these strategies. And one of the best ones was talking slowly when you're socially anxious. Because when you talk slowly, you're forced to slow things down. And you think more rationally. And you communicate you know, in a more calm way. And, I, and that works so well. Like, honestly, it worked amazing. And I said, great, all I have to do is talk slowly and I feel good. Yeah. And then my mood would change or I would feel depressed. So like a different mood. And I'd be like, okay, great, just talk slowly. Everything will be good. Obviously, it doesn't work. So then I'd panic. I'd say, slow talk doesn't work for me. Um, and I'd be back at square one. So, okay, let's, how do I actually feel? I got to update how I feel. Okay, I think I'm depressed. So let's find tools that work for depression. And I find that like exercise or eating comfort food or whatever, all these tools would work. But as soon as my mood would change, they would stop working. So I'd scrap them, yeah, you know, yeah. like it, you, I went through so much time of, of feeling so optimistic by finding the tool and then it would stop working and then you're slammed with disappointment. So you scrap it, move on to the next one. Well, yeah. Well, especially when I can't imagine, cause like you had positive experiences out of those experiments, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, here it is. Totally. Right, and then and it's then, just ripped bam, away from then you. Then it's gone. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's just like, you're just like so optimistic, like really convinced, honestly convinced yeah. that this is it. I got it. Yeah, and then you know, not too long after, it's gone. So I went through like two years of that, Man. and uh, you know, I went on. I lived in Denmark for a while for exchange. I was doing co-op placements in Toronto. Like things were going well, but meanwhile, this was all happening. Yeah, it's like this almost this hidden life. Yeah. And I was not really talking about it at all, except with my mom. And so fast forward like two years, I tried like antidepressants between that time, went through all these tools, okay. nothing was sustainable. But so you eventually then went to a physician. I, so then that brought me to a huge mental breakdown, side of the road, blowing okay. my eyes out, told my friends that I can't do this anymore. And it's too much pain, I need their help, I need everyone's help. Okay. Wow. Went to Emerge. That night, they diagnosed me with generalized anxiety disorder. They ramped up the antidepressants. That made everything worse. And eventually, I saw a psychiatrist a couple weeks later. And I got diagnosed with bipolar type 2. Yeah. And so that's when I started taking all the mood disorder medications, the Seroquels, the Lithiums, the Abilify, the Latudas, all those ones. So I went through a year, sorry, I guess six months of trialing all these medications. And it was oh, hell. It was yeah. honestly, it was by far the hardest six months of my life no question they made everything worse i was i couldn't remember people's names that i've known forever um i couldn't i could sit in front of you and not remember your name um the anxiety was worse depression was worse. depression was worse i had breakdowns the suicidal thoughts were just like overwhelming it was extremely hard but i maintained my job 
I did group therapy. Like I did all, okay. I was really committed. I signed up for a hundred mile bike race. So I was training for that. Okay. So it wasn't all, I, I really tried to add structure to my life and really set me up for success yeah. by doing the therapies, doing the exercise during all this, you know, hectic mental state. Mm-hmm. So after six okay. months, I found a, uh, um, I was on three medications, lithium, Lemotrogen and Latuda, all for bipolar generally. Um, and I was I was like, you know what? I got to a dosage. I was like, pain isn't as bad. I feel like I can manage this with all these tools I've done in group therapy or learning group therapy, you know, exercise, everything. I feel like I can do this. When you but say I, pain, like, what do you mean by that? It's like, it's like the pain I feel like it's, it's the, it's the anxiety. Okay. It's the depression. It's, it's this pain you feel inside. And yeah. when you get to a point where you're considering suicide for me it's it's this pain is so intense mm. that I, I honestly don't want to put myself through this it's too it's too painful yeah like that's what I think about when I think about suicides why am I doing this to myself this is literally like ridiculous and, it's, and it happened twice last week you know okay so it's it's very relevant to me yeah but go, going through those extremes has taught me a lot which I'm sure we'll get into yeah yeah um so I got into a, um, a cocktail that made me feel decent, and I've been on that ever since. Okay. So that's been a year until today. And then I, uh, once I got feeling a little bit better, um, I'd been working for a year. I was like, maybe I want to do some traveling. But do I want to go to Southeast Asia and drink for three months and forget everything? Or do I want to do something that's impactful? And I've always wanted to bike across Canada. I'm a big, big cyclist. Um, and I want to do this more than just for the ride. I want to do this for myself. I want to I want to help people who are struggling. Yeah. I want to create awareness. I want to raise money. So I said, okay, that's the clear option. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, so I went with that. And um, yeah, so not too long after I quit my job um, in April, I launched my initiative called MindCycle, created the website, got a bunch of media coverage, and I took off. And this was just an opportunity for me to share everything I've been dealing with. Like the Instagram feed, which chronicles the whole ride, both physical aspect and the mental aspect. Um, the website, this was all me putting myself out there so that I feel comfortable, but most importantly, so that if someone who reads the content on the website or the Instagram channel, they feel maybe a little bit more comfortable yeah. to share their story. Because <clears throat> sharing your story is like by far the best thing you can do for yourself when it comes to your mental health. By far, yeah. 100%. And so wow. I did the ride. It was four months. Went through all the provinces in Canada. Started in the West, right? Started in Vancouver Island in Tofino. Okay. I biked to St. John's. 10,000 kilometers. 63 kilometers of Like, were climbing. you training for this before I trained, Yeah, I trained for like a month, a month okay. and a half, two months. Okay. But you uh, said you were a big biker. A big biker. So big road biker. Road Okay. Yeah, mostly road. The last mountain. podcast just went out. Big mountain biker. Actually. Is that right? Yeah. That, oh, cool. That journals and reflects at that. And he travels all around the world doing these mountain biking trips. And that has this huge reflective practice. So, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a big mountain biker. Are you? Yeah. Okay. So there whenever I hear bikes, I get excited. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. I I uh, definitely. I'm happy I didn't mountain bike across Canada. Yeah, yeah. I'll still be biking. <laughs> Uh, and you wouldn't start in the West, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you went West right to St. John's, St. John's. Newfoundland. Well, Cape okay. Spear, Newfoundland, which is the farthest point in North America. Wow. East, farthest point East. So wow. it was a journey and I got pushed to the limits. I did a lot of public speaking. I raised, or we raised 120 grand for the Canadian okay. Mental Health Association. Like thousands of people were touched. So many conversations. Um, and, uh, and that, I mean, that brings me to this fall and I got offered a job yeah. to be the national youth advocate for the Canadian Mental Health Association. And, yeah. and, and, then, we we met, and then we met and now we're here in the office. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Well, thank, I mean, I know there's a lot more detail to, to that story that, and so I appreciate the <laughs> abbreviated version, but even, even just the ride itself, like for, forget you know, even why you're doing the ride, just, just that ride itself is a, is a task oh, yeah. that most people, let's just be honest, would can't or, or, or will not do. So, yeah. I mean, why don't we talk a little bit about that, that journey? Because I, from my understanding too, like going through and stopping at different chapters, um, 
across the country, there was a bit of a realization too that there was a need or a gap in terms of, of what was out there for the youth. Yeah. Right. So I'd love, like, if can you talk a little bit about totally that? Oh, I'm, youth were the people that most engaged with my ride. Yeah. Like Mind Cycle on Instagram, whatever. And I spoke to so I like I got so many messages, Facebook, Instagram, from youth, mm-hmm. people like me, like 20, 20 years old kind of thing. And um, and through all that, and all these conversations I had, Tim Hortons lines and McDonald's lines, and at the hotel lobby and over dinner on, on my ride, uh, and Instagram, Facebook, all these channels, in person and online, the biggest thing I took away from this whole ride is that mental health is one of the things that affects us the most as humans, yeah. but it's talked about the least by yeah. far. Yeah. And it's, and it's so funny because I learned how desperate people are to talk about mental health, even just like how they're feeling, like their emotions, not yeah. an illness, yeah. an illness especially, but it's just mental health. Yeah. And like people, it's just, it's just, it's just ingrained in our culture. Like people kind of keep tight, tight lipped about it. But what I was on that ride is not just some guy biking. I was like this platform that kind of opened the floodgates for people to start sharing their stories. So I would be in line at Tim Hortons, like I said, and the back of my cycling jersey said Cycling Canada for Mental Health. People would read that, and I'd go sit down, and they'd sit down with me, come up to me and sit down, and they'd be like, hey, I saw your jersey. Like, here's 20 bucks. Um, I just want to <clears throat> let you know, like, thank you for doing what you're doing. You know, my daughter really struggles with anxiety or I struggle with anxiety. And uh, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. And you can tell that, like, they never say that yeah. to anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's like, it's like it this big out. deal. And I'm like, great, let's talk more. Yeah. Like, tell me more. How do you manage? How do you how do you feel? What Like, what are the struggles? Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. So, like, every, every inch of Canada, there's someone struggling who's not talking about it. And that's just... That's yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. No, and that's what I try to focus on with my work now and my advocacy is like, let's just talk. Yeah. So I use my story as a way to get people talking, just like I did with the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and let's. I mean, you you mentioned something while you're sharing your story, and, and again, thank you for being so open and, and vulnerable. But it has to be that way. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Because it's not just. I guess why I want to ask you about last week is that. We aren't like the real world isn't an Instagram curated feed. Yeah. Right. So, you know, people can look on the outside and say, wow, Ryan did this incredible ride and he's helping drive this forward. Like he's really got it. Like, but you're still struggling as well. 100%. And, right. And, and, and we'll get into tools and stuff like that after. But I think it's important to talk about like, it, th- this is real, right? Like just like any other illness, we, we, we work on this stuff daily. So yeah, go ahead and provide maybe whatever details you want to provide that. In terms of like just well, just what the reality? Right? Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, you said you had kind of you two episodes, I guess. Yeah. That last week, right? Well, I mean, I'm very much, I'm very much in the thick of it. Sure. You know, I, it's like there's with mental health. I don't think it, it ever just like totally dissolves. Like it just yeah. goes away. Like nothing's solved. That's the thing. Like you learn how to manage. I think. Yeah. That's the most realistic way to think about it when you're struggling. Like nothing's gonna be solved, but I'm gonna become the master of managing my mental health. Yeah. Well, and just in doing the research, it was very obvious that you've um, become very aware of your triggers. Yeah. Hundred percent. Right. And and that, regardless of what you talk about in life, like that self awareness has been such a huge theme, even in this podcast. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Sorry. Well, no. I that that makes me like it's. So I'm very much in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you want to hear about last week? So last week I, I've started taking a naturopathic supplement okay. protocol, whatever you want to call it, program. And not taking it anymore, but um, I was on it for four weeks and it was absolute hell. Okay. And the whole time I'm talking to the doctor and he's like, yeah, it's going to take time for the toxins to get flushed out and all these kind of things. So I'm pushing through and I'm pushing through because I'm just always desperate to find other ways that I can make me feel better sustainably. Yeah. 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 So there's another opportunity and there's a lot of money. Um, and eventually I had over four weeks, I had six like suicidal breakdowns. Okay. And um, I mean, when we met, that was during one of those times you probably didn't even realize. No. Yeah. Like and, that's... So, and so that could have, there was one that probably happened that week for sure. So six over four weeks. And so I kept pushing through hoping that things would change. 
And uh, after three weeks, I saw the doctor. He made some changes, added some stuff, and it made things worse. And so the following week on the Monday, I got to work here. We went in for a uh, team meeting, and I just felt something something was building really okay. fast. And 30 minutes later, I was in a different meeting room on my own calling the suicide helpline, you know, scared scared by how much pain I was feeling and, think, and, and being worried about... How, yeah. Scared by how much pain I was feeling and like the thoughts of how I need to stop this. Yeah, yeah. And so she, the lady calmed me down. She's like, go home. I went home. My girlfriend came over and she worked from home just to hang out with me. Yeah. I chilled out. And then by like 8 p.m. that night, I just felt things changing again. I just got worked up. And again, these breakdowns, like bawling my eyes out. Yeah, Like yeah. so scared for my life. I yeah. can't do this anymore. Like it's so overwhelming. And so that happened again that night or at later at night. And then finally, I just like was, I just like, I texted my girlfriend. I was like, I need to go to the hospital. And so I walked out of my room. I was like, I went to my roommate. I was like, Turner, like, I'm going to the hospital. He's like, for what? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm really struggling right now. And he's like, okay, I'll come. And yeah. so I went there and then um, saw a doctor. I was there till like five in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And then recovered the next day. I saw a psychiatrist at the hospital here in Camp H. And... You know, now they're reconsidering my diagnosis. Okay. So it's, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the reality. It's just, yeah. but you. that, like, that's the struggle. Like there's, there's so many other things that are going on here. Like the whole time I'm going through that, like I could have been, I could have done something really stupid mm-hmm. over the past six weeks, you know? Yeah. You know, t- t- making a quick decision to be like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But you talk about mindfulness and awareness. Yeah. Like every time I get into that extreme situation of like suicide is on my mind, the only thing on my mind, that is the moment where I take one second to be aware of how I'm feeling. Okay. So if you can use mindfulness in that one second and, and separate yourself from your mind or what's going on in your head, take a step aside, like lifting it out of your head. Yeah. And then think, look at that. Look at how you're feeling and be like, suicide thoughts. Okay. This is extreme. This is a crisis what do I need to do right now that's going to be most effective to make me feel better in the next five seconds? Yeah. That, that awareness has saved my life. One second, literally. I honestly, I yeah. honestly, it sounds cheesy, but like honestly, so many, so many times in my life in the past couple of years, that decision to, to, to separate myself from my head and my mind yeah. and be aware and make a decision, what's the best thing I can do right now? And most of the time, it's slow breathing. Hmm. like four seconds in pause one two four seconds out and okay. every time your mind goes back to the crazy thoughts catch it be mindful of it come back to the breathing and and that has that has that has saved my life when i was doing the ride across canada pulling over on the side of the road because i was freaking out mentally break down mm-hmm. from slow breathing got me home safe and it got me safe last week so that like i mean well, the breath is life, right? It is, and exactly like, it, and it's it's such a powerful tool to calm down. Yeah, but yeah, that's 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 kind of the situation. Yeah, I'd say. Well, Ryan, I mean, <laughs> I can't express how thankful I am that that a you're sharing this uh, well to me, but then also you know the thousands of people that are, are listening to this was that that's I think that's so important, right? It's just you are human. Mm-hmm. You're working through this as well, and. And now we'll get into some of the other tools as well that, sure. that that help. But just the fact, you know, I, I just like like what you said. Like when we first met, right? I never would have I would have guessed that. So it's it's really having being comfortable and and us having this dialogue right now because you could easily have not shared any of this. Totally right. Yeah. Which I don't know what the stats are, but I'd, I'd say they're, uh, I know the general stats in, in mental health, but just even on, on, on very specific topics like this, they're alarmingly high. That mm-hmm. They're not, you know, these conversations. One, one in five have mental illness Yeah, in their life and then five and five have mental health. Five and five have emotions that they don't like. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's increasing. Yeah. And all these, and like these tools, and strategies you use to manage mental illness, if they work for mental illness, wouldn't they just be even more effective for mental health? Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting you mentioned breathing because even even personally on my on my side, I've been I've been doing I've been really fascinated by Wim Hof, 
I don't know if you've seen his, no. his stuff. So I'll give a bit of, of, of a bit of background because you might be interested in this as well. He's just this this guy from the Netherlands that has developed this this breathing mechanism, I guess you could say. I don't know, a breathing method, I should say, that he's literally able to fight off disease, inflammatory disease, and like to the point where he's been injected with. Um, uh, I want to say Ebola, but it's uh, E. coli. <laughs> uh, that might be extreme. And, yeah. and and fought it off through breath and meditation. Come on. So, yeah, you've got to look him up. It and then, then obviously, there's all these, these skeptics. So he's like, well, I'll bring in 10 other people and train them up over the course of, I think it was four or five days, yeah. just on breath work. And exact same protocol. They were all able to uh, fight off what normally is a you know, terrible kind of situation yeah. right like vomiting and headaches yeah. and all this stuff and he's he's also been able to climb mount everest in shorts and like all these crazy things all th- through this breath work and controlling and his the mind. mind really yeah. yeah and like for those cold exposures like be able to keep his core temperature at a at a healthy rate again because of the breath work Jeez. so That's it's incredible. like it's just fascinating right to see like we're, we we just don't know. There's so much we don't know about just like our human like what literally keeps to, us alive, which yeah, is breath. Totally right. And and I even notice myself with like when I'm really tense, like I can I can st- I'm starting to see sh- the shortness of breath, or where I'm like almost holding my breath a bit, right? And just like what you just said, just like yeah. take it in, yeah, and one breath. Totally right. Yeah, it's like even when you're like even this morning I was. Uh, at the, the mental health hospital this morning, like just to check in. Okay. okay. Um, to just to check in with the doctor, and I was sitting there waiting, and I was on Instagram going through the feed, and all of a sudden I just had like this kind of like anxiety build up about like my girlfriend and like all these things, and it's just like, and then I took one second to realize what was happening. Yeah. I took a deep breath in, you know, four in, two hold, four out, and just focus on that breath and. It's like the sting of those thoughts goes away. Yeah. And after you, you have the breath, you have to do it. Sometimes I do it 20 times. Maybe yeah. sometimes it's only one time. But yeah. always the sting is away. It goes away because you're aware of it and you calm down. And it'll come right back up maybe in five seconds. Do the breath again. Calm yeah. down. And yeah. just eventually I'm able to just like the pain dissipates and yeah. it'll relax. So how have you been able to be so aware of these triggers? And, you know, like the breath is one thing, but there's, I know there are other practices that, that you have, mm-hmm. um, like what, like what, what's a daily routine look like for you, I guess, to really kind of exercise that mental muscle. For sure. I, every day is a new opportunity to get smarter with my mental health. Okay. Um, I, like mm. a big, big parts of my day is, um, mindfulness, meditation, um, like acceptance and I'll kind of jump into each one but those are like my core okay so meditation for me means just addressing what's going on in my head like just I'll close my eyes that's a really informal type of meditation I'll close my eyes sit on my bed timer for 10 minutes okay before I go to work or right when I wake up and I just close my eyes and let my mind go wherever it wants wow so if it's really tense and there's a lot of stuff wanting attention the stuff that wants attention, I think about, I think it through. So anxiety about presentation or anxiety about uh, a party tonight or anxiety about whatever, my girlfriend or whatever. I focus on it. I just think about it, think about it, think about it. And all of a sudden it doesn't want attention anymore. The next thing comes up. Mm. Think about it, think about it, think about it. So eventually you, you break through all this stuff. Yeah. And you're thinking and thinking and thinking. And then by the end, I've thought through all the things that are causing me mental stress to a point where they don't really want attention anymore and I've thought them through and I have a game plan for them maybe. Yeah. And by the end of 10 minutes, always, I don't I don't have expectations for this happening, but I always feel a little bit more calm, mentally calm and relaxed. Okay. And and that sets me up for success for the next hour or something and then things could change, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I love that. Like even before this podcast, before you came in, I did five minutes. Just let my mind go. Yeah. Kind of get mentally organized. Yeah. I did it too. Just yeah. Why I? <laughs> isn't that good? Though? Yeah. Like, I wish people would do that. I do it before present public speaking events. I do it before um, before I go to bed sometimes, or yeah. just in the middle of the day. I'm like I'm really worked up right now. 
just want to get this stress. It's like just iron out the stress in my in my head. That's how yeah. meditation helps me. Okay. Mindfulness is huge because I I am like I need to be like hyper aware of how I'm feeling so I don't get caught up in it. Because when you get caught up in it, it's just a rabbit hole to get into an even worse place. Yeah. And I know how fast I can go into to a place where like I start thinking about like suicide or giving up or whatever, like to the extreme. So yeah. as I'm walking along my day and I, I have to notice as I'm going, I have to notice when I start going down the rabbit hole okay. before I'm too deep. So checking in with myself is like, okay, like how am I feeling? Literally taking one second to be like, how am I feeling? You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm really irrationally anxious right now. Okay. Now that I know that, what can I do just to calm down? Slow yeah. breathing. Yeah, just labeling it. Labeling it. Right? It's labeling yeah, it gives one. you yeah. so much, uh, I guess, power over your moods to yeah. start doing something that's going to be effective to help them. So how am I feeling? I'm really anxious right now. Okay. Um, what can I do right now that's going to help me? Can I do like two minutes of meditation? Can I go splash water on my face in the bathroom? Can I talk to a colleague about how I'm feeling? Can I text my girlfriend how I'm feeling? Can I call my mom in the hallway how I'm feeling? Like all these things, yeah. but that toolbox of different strategies does not present, it's not available until you actually recognize how you're feeling. Yeah, you yeah, know? for sure. And it's like, so when I get to a point where I'm thinking about suicide, I recognize how I'm feeling, and then I'm presented with my toolbox strategies, slow breathing, call someone, suicide helpline, anti-anxiety medication. When I'm anxious for a public speaking event, I become aware of it, now my toolbox becomes available. What can I do? Water on the face, ice on the neck, you know, go yeah. for a walk, slow breathing, mindfulness practice, telling someone how I'm feeling, whatever. When I'm depressed, once I realize how I'm feeling, the toolbox becomes present. Let's watch a funny TV show. Let's go for a walk. Let's journal. Let's, yeah. let's get distracted somehow. Let's watch some sports. Yeah. But you can't properly manage your mental health in an effective way without recognizing how you're feeling and being aware of it. Yeah. So, like, mindfulness is everything yeah like i don't know when to do my meditation unless i'm mindful of how i'm feeling because yeah. then when i'm mindful of how i'm feeling i realize that meditation is going to help me right now you know so important yeah and well and it's just like the world we live in today is just not set up to be aware of these things right so like you're we're it's always against we're always going against the grain in the sense of we're on this autopilot right we're on those like people mover you know uh, yeah. people movers in the airport, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, it, eventually you hit the end of that thing. You're like, oh, okay, there's, there's some, you know, this thing just ended. But like in the everyday life, if you don't stop to think and kind of pull yourself off that track, and then it just keeps going and keeps compounding. Oh my and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you get to this point, right? Where, and a lot of time, like even many of the, the people we interviewed on the podcast, like, that are, that, are, that are a bit older have hit these like walls in their life, right? And it's like this big shift and yeah. change careers, change this, change yeah. that. But it's like, how do we avoid getting to that wall, right? Like we don't all have to go to the wall. Yeah. There's, um, and I think a lot has to do with just being mindful of ourselves. Totally. Right? So how is all of, like, did you, how did you get the toolbox? <laughs> I guess. Like, do you do you consciously think about or look for new tools and just kind of, yeah, you know, go about that process? Yeah, it's like it's a process of it takes time. Yeah. And it, it's a process of trial and error because, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned was that, you know, all those years I spent finding a new tool, like going to the therapist and talking about how you're feeling. And then I scrapped it because it stopped working. Yeah. And slow talk, it worked great, but I scrapped it because it stopped working. Uh, watching a fight TV show worked great for depression, but I scrapped it because it didn't work for anxiety. So I, I spent so much time investing myself in finding these new tools and then scrapping them. Yeah. And then over the summer on my ride, I realized, I had this huge realization that like, it's not one tool. It's not one coping strategy that helps you manage or solve your issues. It's this toolbox that helps you manage. And, and a toolbox is, is, is comprised of all these different strategies that are used at very specific times yeah. in your mental world. Mm -hmm. You know, you have tools for social anxiety. You have tools for social anxiety at the office, social anxiety before a party, social anxiety before meeting your partner's parents, because you don't have access to the same tools. Like I don't always have access to a sink to splash water on my face. Yeah. So you have all these different options. When you're depressed, you have all the tools for the tools for depression. Funny TV show, 
journaling. Like I said this earlier, like you got to figure out what works for you. Yeah. Well, eating comfort food, like ice cream cone, or McDonald's fries, makes me feel good when I'm depressed. Okay. So I do it when I'm depressed. Yeah. When I do it when I'm anxious, I get anxious that I'm eating unhealthy. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. So you find out what works for you, but it takes time to figure out what works. But yeah. you have to commit yourself to constantly find those tools. Yeah. So when I'm when I would be really struggling, when I really struggle, sometimes I just go to Chapters or Indigo, the bookstore, and just go through the like the self-help section and just find a book that I think is going to help me in that moment. And I always learn a new tool. Interesting. Last week I found a book called uh, Overwhelmed, o- Overwhelmingness, something like that. Okay. And it's all about when you're overwhelmed and how to manage that. And I learned that you can only control, you only have control over certain things in your life. So focus on what you have control of. And that like really helped me in that time. So yeah. now in the future, I may not use that tool for like months. But when I'm but it's back there. in that moment, I have it. Yeah. Your toolbox is used of all is built up of all these strategies. Yeah. And they have this very specific application. Yeah. And it's kind of like I could see it in your face, like it's kind of exciting to be able to create the toolbox. Every day you get stronger you use, and smarter. Yeah, you use it for everything. Right. And it's, it's it gives like, you confidence. That's what it does. Yeah. Like now I know when I'm socially anxious for a party, I have options. Yeah. When I when I'm doing a public speaking event, I have options. When when I um when I go, when, whenever my mood starts slipping and I get worried, I catch that thought and say, look, I have tools. So I'm going to get through this. Yeah. Even if I get pushed to the point where, where I'm thinking about suicide, as scary as that is, and it's easy to think about that now in hindsight. Yeah. But I know in the moment I have a very, sl- like even in those extreme situations, there's a sliver of, of confidence that I can get through this because of my tools. Yeah. 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 And that it, there's so many parallels I find to just physical fitness and events like suicide is obviously a massive like it's hard to compare that obviously to, to, to it's anything. the extreme of the extreme it's the extreme you're, you're right but i'm but i'm trying to draw some parallels to totally and i want to that's right. what i want to talk about is like yeah i mean it, it it's like the way i think about it is this concept of the toolbox yeah it works to pull me out of a suicidal situation yeah. Right. It works. It works for me when I have social anxiety. Works for me when I have yeah. social anxiety, depression. Why would it not work for when you feel lonely? Yeah. What are your yeah. tools in that situation? When you realize you're feeling lonely, what are your tools? Yeah. It's like affirmation. Like I have good friends. I have good family. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. It's like you have tools for that situation. So this this app there's this uh, concept of a toolbox was created for me out of the extreme situations, but it can be applied in the entire spectrum of emotions. Yeah. And it. You don't have to have a mental illness to have a toolbox. No, no. But I mean, yeah. that's, that's a great point. I, I, I guess where I was going with that is kind of two, two things on, on the physical fitness side. Is it's because it made me think of, not that I've ever done a triathlon or anything like that, but um, I have done one marathon. There you go. Uh, I should say participated in a oh, marathon. Oh, group marathon, like a relay. Uh, no, solo. But I mean, okay. let's not talk about <laughs> times or anything like that. Anyway. <laughs> But I was just thinking of, of something like a, like a triathlon, you know, different types of sports, you know, and different type of training for those sports, right? Different tools, different, different mindsets. And it's not, it's, you know, it's not when you're in the water that you're doing the training. It's all the training you've done before, mm-hmm. right? Which I feel like is no different than when you're in that extreme of extreme scenarios. It's all of the toolbox work and sure. the daily meditations and all of that stuff that to your point gives you that confidence even that sliver of confidence that you know you can get out of that totally yeah 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 100 percent powerful stuff ryan man (laughs) yeah Uh, but it's taking time like yeah like the biggest thing is like it takes time to figure out what works for you but it's totally possible like yeah managing your mental health in general is totally possible yeah. You just have to like be aware of it and and start finding tools that help you manage. That's literally all you have to do. Yeah. And tools could be tra- trying therapy or mm-hmm. talking to a friend or trying medication if you want. Like there's just it's endless. Yeah. If you're if you're gonna tell me you have no tools to manage your mental health, I think you're full of it. Yeah. Because there are limitless options out there. You just have to spend time to to find a book or a magazine or an article. To start. To start, yeah. yeah. I think that's key, right? Exactly. Start. And you're not going to find all of them in one day. It's like, you find one, great. Stops yeah. working, find another one, great. Yeah. 
and, yeah, and continue, right? Like, I mean, you're doing it literally last week. There's a new book, a new tool. Yeah. So, um, thank you again for being so open. We've been talking a lot offline and, and it's maybe come up in this conversation, but just the concept of mental fitness. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to get just when I say that word, like, what does that mean to you? Like, how do you chalk up what mental fitness is? I think it's someone that's like aware, mm-hmm. like, like, it's like you can't be mentally fit unless you know what's going on. If you're actually aware of what's going on in your head and your mind. Yeah. So mentally someone who's not mentally fit is someone who gets caught up in their emotions falls down the rabbit hole over and over again without learning how to prevent it someone that's um like just ignorant of of their emotions and just totally like just just not consider them yeah and i don't wish that on anyone yeah someone who's mentally fit is someone who's aware of how they're feeling who's in tune with their thoughts and emotions um aware of them and is 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 caching the irrational thoughts, caching the irrational thinking, you know, shame, guilt, all those irrational things, being aware of them and then using their strategies to bounce back and you know feel better essentially. Yeah. But the awareness is the awareness is huge. Yeah. I, no, I, you're right, because if you're not aware, I mean you're you're what just are on you? that you're just, you're on that autopilot. You're just living. You're exactly yeah. you're on autopilot. Yeah. How do you tap into something deeper and become smarter mentally without being aware of what's happening mentally? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, speaking about being aware, something that obviously helps is powerful questions. Uh, yes. You've, you've dropped a few of them in this, this episode, but I, I definitely want to get your three questions so that we can get this in the podcast and uh, help others in their own mm-hmm. self-reflection. What would those be? I think it's funny because they all come back... As I said earlier, they come back to awareness and mindfulness. But number one is I ask myself, how am I feeling right now? Hmm. Let's check in. Am I, am I tense? Am I irritable? Am I overwhelmed? Okay, let's just, let's just check in, okay? Yeah. Which ties into the second question. Now that I know that, now that I know how I'm actually feeling, what's the most effective thing I can do right now? to set me up for success moving forward mm, I in, the love next, that. in that in the next hour day week month whatever now that i know how i'm feeling what can i do that's going to be most effective so if i'm feeling anxious okay that answers my first question i feel anxious second question what can i do right now let's do some slow breathing let's go for a walk let's do a to-do list because i feel overwhelmed so i can get organized with my tasks yeah you know let's talk to my manager because i'm because i'm confused on what I'm supposed to be working on so I feel overwhelmed you know so how am I feeling right now what's most effective and then I think the third one um, is about reflecting on your mental health so you can learn and become smarter so I wrote down here I said what are the themes from my recent struggles that I can learn from to be stronger when I when I felt really bad last Sunday night if I did, I'm not saying that I did, but if I felt really bad last Sunday night, let's let's analyze that situation. What what caused that? Was I partying too late Saturday night? So I was really dehydrated and I was tired and I was stressed about the week. Okay, so those are triggers of that situation. And then how did I feel in that? What thoughts were on my mind? So that next time that happens, I can be aware that I'm in that yeah. in that state. Yeah. And then what 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 got me by? Did I watch a funny TV show with my roommate? Yeah. And that kind of made me feel better for the next day. That brings your tools in. Right. So it's, yeah. so you like look look and assess what 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 were the triggers, or the what was the pain you felt, and what were the tools you use, and I guarantee you can find some in every situation you look back on, so that you're aware of it. You write stuff down. Like I write it down. Okay, this is what happened in my journal or whatever. So that in the future you can't prevent anything from happening, but you can just be more aware of it. So when you feel like you're in that state again, okay. Those, those, those triggers happen. That's why I'm probably, I'm probably here again. And I'm having these negative thoughts because those triggers happened. Yeah. I need to use these tools to feel a little bit better. And then yeah. you, you do that and you learn from that experience. And the next one, the next one, you build your toolbox. You become more aware and yeah. the, the, the process really gets solidified because, because it works. Sure. Yeah. What is your, your journaling setup? Like when is it consistent? Or? No, it's not consistent. No. Yeah. And there's no right answer to this. No, right? no. It's, it's whatever. Works. I journal when I feel like I need to. Okay. Like I journal when I want 
one of those things I really want to remember. You know, I've journaled, you know, like a little me- me- like memos to myself at my lowest times to, to read. Yeah. It's one of my yeah. one of my tattoos is, is a little memo to myself, and it's just, you are good. Yeah. So you look back and see that when you're really struggling. Um, I journal when I'm really feeling pain to just get it out. It's, yeah. it's not, I don't do that every time I'm in pain, yeah. but I do it sometimes if it feels right. Yeah. Um, it is incredible, though, how just getting that out, whether it's paper, digital, voice, but just releasing yeah. whatever that worry or that pain is, how just that act, you know, in many cases, completely gets rid of that. Yeah. You know, almost on the spot. Totally. It's, no, it's I, fascinating. I completely agree. And, like, you don't, like, it's not, that's a tool. Journaling's a tool, but it may not work for you. Yeah. Or it might. Yeah. So just try it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. But there's definitely a theme running through this conversation, which, um, well, self-awareness obviously being being the, the largest, but just a, this notion of filling up that toolbox. Totally. Right. And I, yeah. I love that because it's so applicable across just life mm-hmm. in general. Uh, it's, it's a really great gift that you've left with us. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I think that's the most important thing when it comes to mental fitness yeah awareness in the toolbox just to wrap up because I want to respect your time um, two final questions one's just what excites you about the uh, the next three to six months I think it's to to keep making an impact on youth for youth mental health in Canada I know my messages are like affecting the bigger you know age groups or other age groups but youth in particular I think the stuff that I'm working on is going to make a really big impact. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Even if it's just a couple people that benefit from it, this project I'm working on, that's great. If there's more and hundreds and thousands, that's amazing. So I'm excited to see the impact that I can create. Um, And I'm excited where this goes. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing something I'm beyond passionate about and I'm meeting like-minded people like yourself um, who are all passionate about this type of work and I'm excited to see where that goes, you know, like who knows, you know, who knows where this could all take, where this could all go. Yeah. Well, cheers to that journey. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you, uh, on behalf of myself, obviously, but then everyone listening and, you know, just statistically speaking, you're helping people just through this conversation, right? We know that. Exactly. We know that. So thank you on behalf of everyone that's listening that needs to hear this, this story and, you know, it has a little bit more insight in different tools and, and feels like they have that 1%, you know, that, that can get them through whatever they're going through. Totally. So, yeah, it's a good way to think Thank about you. it. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure.